Uh, when I uh, first got saved, I, I wanted everyone to really know the love of God. I don't know if any of you guys ever think about when you first came to know Christ, how much you were just so excited to let everybody know the love that was just put in you, not by anything you did, but by everything he did. And uh, there was this just newfound intimacy. I just, that was right there in my life. And the presence of Jesus, it was just that real to me. His love was real. Jesus was real. He was a real person. He was alive. He was in me. So yeah, there was this uh, newfound intimacy that uh, Jesus was, was real to me. And, uh, and he still is. He's real to me now than he was then. And uh, my relationship with Jesus is precious. It's, it's the most precious relationship that I have. It's more than precious than my marriage. It's more precious than me parenting my four kids. That's why I'm able to actually love them the way I'm able to love them by his grace. But I have found that many times it's, it's been really hard to communicate with others that kind of intimacy with Jesus. I don't know if you felt that too. Because he isn't real to a lot of people. He isn't walking around talking in the exact same way that we do with one another. And so it's hard to get our mind around like the way we feel how real he is, those who love him. And that's why at times I, I really feel like I get John Wesley's hymn, for a thousand tongues to sing. If I just had a thousand tongues, all of them would praise God and tell of his great love. Then maybe it could be clear in my words because I just want everyone to understand Jesus and his love. And, and that's why it can also be really humbling when I, when I mess up and I don't reflect the truth about Jesus in some way or another. I remember a season where I did that with my sister who doesn't know Jesus and Right after I came to faith, I shared the gospel with her. In fact, I shared it with her again and again and again and again and again. And my strategy was to beat her over the head with the good news of Jesus, right, the gospel. She was happy for me, but not convicted by anything personally. I don't see why, you know, because I felt like I really delivered the message pretty clearly. And I remember thinking, I, I don't know what else to do with my sister. I don't really know else because I, I, I shared with her everything I could share. I've said the words a dozen times, and there's nothing changing. I don't know what else to do. I thought, I really thought I, I only had words to give her. And now to be clear, I, I felt a genuine love for God and my sister. I really did love her. I just had such a limited understanding of how God wanted to communicate his love to the world. I was dependent on myself and on my words. I didn't know that at the time, but that's how I was living. And I'll never forget when God woke me up and taught me a key thing about himself through my sister, actually. It was uh, some years ago when she was visiting from Portland, and she was hanging out with me and my friends that weekend. We did all kinds of stuff together. In fact, it was um, when I was just starting to get connected to this church community, so I went to Tacoma for like the first couple of years. And um, I was really excited about her coming, especially, like the whole weekend we did all kinds of stuff, me and her and my friends, but I was really excited about her coming into a gathering and hearing the word preached and hearing songs sung about Jesus. And I was like, all right, this is it. Maybe my words didn't do it, but these words are going to do it. All right, she's going to get changed here. And um, at the end of our time together for the weekend, we were walking together and I just asked her, I go, hey, so what was so impactful about this, this time together? Because she was impacted by our time together 
And what was funny to me, she, you know, she actually really did enjoy the gathering, believe it or not. She did enjoy the message. She enjoyed the singing. Um, I think there's affinity there towards Jesus. I think God is actually rescuing her, just hasn't yet. Um, but what she walked away with and was so impacted by was the community. She spent like 15 minutes talking about the way me and this eclectic group of people, to use her words, the kind of people she said, knowing me growing up, I would never hang out with, that we were together, laughing together, eating together, but then quick to go deep together and, and talk about Jesus as if he's real and talk about our messy lives in front of strangers and, and even talk about, ask her deep questions that her friends have, haven't really asked her. And she was just blown away that we would be so close and yet very different kind of people. And she said, Randy, I've, I've never seen that kind of stuff. And she's from Portland. Portland people, like my sister, they pursue community. And she was like, Randy, I've been pursuing that stuff and I, I haven't seen that. Because that's amazing what you guys have. Do you realize that? And it's funny, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I didn't know that that was the amazing part of what we have. That's amazing. That's awesome. And that's when I really began to get clued in that God's plan to love the world wasn't merely through just in, an individual's words. But God's plan in Jesus is to transform a people. It's to take his church through deep relationships and love for one another because of his abiding love in us so that we would actually be a witness to the world of God's love. And God, he came to give a tangible expression of his invisible kingdom, and it's primarily through Jesus' communities loving one another through genuine relationships. It's really that simple, but yet so profound. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. In this beloved series, like Tim just said, we've been talking about how ridiculously loved we are by God in Jesus, that he would call us his beloved, very much dearly loved people. Not because we give something to God. In fact, we can't give him something to get that identity. It's given to us because of Christ's death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And once we have it, we don't lose it. In fact, what we have to do as beloved is keep going to God to be loved. That's what it means to be his beloved. And that's how this whole thing works. And we learn to love one another and yet in, in the hopes of the world seeing that kind of love. And so we've been talking about that the last couple weeks. Last week we focused a little bit more on how God loves you. And last week we talked about it's not just you and me, it's us as a people he loves us. And this week we're going to talk about how he loves the world. But what we're going to find out, I'm going to talk about a lot like what I did last week. It's through his people loving one another that the world knows his love. And so that's what we're going to talk about. This morning, and I want to start off by saying the Bible is clear, God loves the world. God is loving and merciful to all. Matthew 5.45, for example, Jesus says, Your Father in heaven causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. His merciful love, his benevolence is extended to everyone, not just Christians. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That word world is not referring to his electors, chosen people. It's meaning, in fact, a love for the wicked and the bad people. That's why Jesus was referred to being a friend of sinners. 2 Peter 3.9 says, Instead, 
God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God desires for people to turn from their sin and see that life can only be found in God through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. He desires that. Why? Because God, we see in the very beginning of creation, he created the world and said that it was good. And he created humans, us, everyone here in this room, he created us and said, very good in the beginning. Why? Because he made us in his image and likeness. And though sin has, our sin has corrupted our image, we are still image bearers of God. God loves all people. Though my sister doesn't follow Christ, there's a brilliance and beauty about her that God's put in her. Her consideration for others, her desire to fight for justice, for the marginalized, to help people get better who are sick through medicinal plants, these things that she does and cares about reflect God and his love for people. God has taught me a lot of that through my sister. That's why we can get so moved by really great music that doesn't directly praise Jesus. That's why I really love this one song by Bob Dylan, uh, Make You Feel My Love. It's been sung by a lot of different artists over the years, but when I hear these lyrics, it's mainly, I know in the world, it's, it's played in these romantic movies, and, and a lot of people see it as this merely a love relationship between two people, but when I hear these words, I, I can't help but not think of God's love. I mean, listen to these words. When the rain is blowing in your face and the whole world is on your case, I could offer you a warm embrace to make you feel my love. When the evening shadows and the stars appear and there's no one there to dry your tears, I could hold you for a million years to make you feel my love. I know you haven't made your mind up yet, but I would never do you wrong. I've known it from the moment that we met, no doubt in my mind where you belong. I'd go hungry, I'd go black and blue. I'd go crawling down the avenue. There's nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. The storms are raging on the rolling sea, on the highway of regret, the winds of change are blowing wild and free. You ain't seen nothing like me yet. I can make you happy, make your dreams come true. Nothing that I wouldn't do. Go to the ends of the earth for you to make you feel my love. I mean, if we're real... This is either just another over-idealized, sappy love song, or there's a God who wants to love you this way. And the reason why the world loves this kind of music so much, even if they don't know Jesus, it's because we all have been made to be loved like that. No human can love this way. No way. A million years? Where's this? There's a longing to be loved infinitely, eternally, endlessly. 
And here's the deal. Though God loves the world, God has a different relationship with his people. We see that through the scriptures. There's an intimacy through Jesus that comes by faith in Jesus, trusting God really did give his son up for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, his people who are chosen, we also see throughout redemptive history in the scriptures, were chosen as such to be a witness in light of their unique relationship to all their people, all their nations that didn't have it. For example, Isaiah 49.6 says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. God wants those who don't know him to be invited into his family. No matter how amazing and beautiful the world at times may reflect God, they're still missing a key aspect of having an intimate relationship with the real Jesus, with the real God. They're missing it. They don't have the meat and potatoes. They're hungering for it. They're starving for it. And God wants to use us, his people, to show them what that looks like. A relationship that glorifies God, that gives life to us, and it matters for all eternity. This takes us to a key passage for today in John 17, 20 to 23. I would love for our church to memorize this. Here Jesus prays for the witness of his disciples in the world, and he says this, he's praying to his father. So, Father, I do not ask for these only, looking at his 12 disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Beautiful passage. Jesus here, he prays for our oneness with one another, that, that we may all be one as followers of Christ. He's asking, Father, take a mass variety of diverse people and bring them into unity. Make them one, same as the Trinity. <laughs> that's what he's saying here. Just you, like you, Father, are in me and I in you. And that's why he also prays for our union with the Trinity. He prays that we may be in the Father and Son, even as the Father and Son are one. It's crazy. The prayer is for us disciples to live and exist in communion with the very persons of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see, our oneness and our union with God and each other, here's the deal, it will be unhindered in heaven. That's where God is taking those who are his. He says, I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one. The word perfectly or completely is from the word telos, which means to complete, to bring to finish, to reach the goal. Jesus' end is oneness with no brokenness. That's what he's after, oneness with no brokenness. Yet Jesus prays for this unity of disciples on earth now for his purposes. 
Not just in the days to come, but now. There is a purpose as to why God makes us his beloved and wants us to continue to enjoy his very much love that comes to us again and again and again. There's a purpose. There's a purpose we're so ridiculously loved, lavished on us day in and day out. There's a purpose. It's for the world. So the world would be invited to enjoy and live in that same love with us. For the world to see that Jesus is among us, transforming our relationships with one another in everyday life. They want to see Jesus. And, G- and God's like, we're going to show them Jesus. And it's going to be through your love for one another that I'm pouring out in you guys. It's amazing. That's why Jesus says in John 13, 34, he says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, by this love for one another, will, you will know, uh, by this, this love for one another, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So he's saying here is loving one another just as Jesus loved us proves to others that we are disciples of Jesus. It shows that he's real. I know I'm speaking nothing new, but I'm speaking something we all need to hear because the world's not getting saved by Jesus' people too often or as much as I think God wants them to, right? I'm speaking this to myself. We need this. The New Testament, because I've been blown away by this this week, the New Testament, it beats the drum so much on the church loving one another. It's crazy how much it talks about the importance of the one another's. 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, what she's saying, the kingdom's at hand. Christ has come, he died, he rose again, he sent his spirit, and he's going to come again. God's at work, he's on the move. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, you can also say, most important of all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, and he throws in hospitality. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. What? I thought he would say, you know, leave everything, go leave your house and family, and go share with a bullhorn the gospel to everybody. What is he talking about loving one another? This is multiplication through loving one another. This is gospel expansion through loving one another. And we all know the writers of the New Testament, John, Paul, Peter, James, all these guys, they're all about reaching the lost because they gave their lives for it. (laughs) And they reached regions, masses, but yet they emphasized, love one another. Open up your home to one another. Provide a warm place for people to feel seen, served. Go deep in relationships. It's supposed to be our high priority as a local church, a Jesus church. That's just what we're supposed to do. I'm blown away by that. Like, so in your missional communities, in this gathering, what if it just became normative? We just ask each other out for meals. We invite each other home for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. That's just what we do. Whether in your missional career or not, it's like, hey, I don't know if that person's new. I want to make sure they feel welcomed and warm here. I want to invite them over for dinner. Nothing 
big to expect after that. It's just like, hey, I want to touch base with you because this is just what I do. I open up my home and I want to say hi to you and I want to know you just a little bit. Like, what, what, what if that was just part of our culture? That, that, that's just like the heartbeat here. I'm guessing that's kind of what the Bible's trying to say. There's just so much hospitality and love for one another. Non-believers coming in and out, they just get swept up in it. They, they just get, they're just a part of the culture. They're just a part of the vibe of the love that's going on, the, the sharing each other's life. I, my question is, like, what does it look like for us to prioritize that? What does that look like to see that as like a priority in Jesus' mission? That we see hospitality for each other as brothers and sisters as a priority for the mission to go forward. I don't know, that just blows my mind. I haven't thought that way. It's like, well, let's just assume that's happening and reach the lost. And the Bible seems to assume we, we shouldn't assume that. <laughs> the Bible seems to say we actually won't, don't do really good at loving each other because there's this thing still called the flesh. And there's this way of the world and the enemy that wants to divide and kill and destroy and, and wants nothing to do with unity. Because when you do that, then people start seeing Jesus. So let's... Mess that up. And I think there's all kinds of ways he can mess that up. And I think assuming we're good at this stuff is a, is a pretty big way. I've seen that in my life. Going deep with each other, I talked about this last week. I, I won't belabor that too much. It's super hard. But I know this, the way Lisa and I have opened up, my wife Lisa and I opened up our home to others over the years, it's been the thing that's blown away non-believing friends I've had. Where it's, it's even been hard for them to wrap their mind around why we would do that. Why we would let people in our life the way we do and leave ourselves so exposed, right? You're sharing life with people. And I'm not saying that to like make me sound awesome because you know what? When they're blown away, the more I've been doing this, I'm actually, I actually get why they're blown away because it is really hard. It isn't easy. There are times we've overextended ourselves. There's times we've been taken advantage of. There's times where we've been seriously wounded in doing this. Often, we've been given a ton without much in return, except for maybe being told we need to do more or try harder. We're not loving enough, and we feel like we're in our last rope of loving. And it's like, I, and there's times I've hurt others in that, especially my wife pushing her and dragging her along and saying, no. For the kingdom in the flesh. And it's been messy. It's been so messy and so painful at times. But this isn't something like we just opt out of. The Bible doesn't give us that. Op it, it, it doesn't say give up on that. You see, it, it, because here's the deal. This isn't a new, improved, pragmatic strategy for disciple making. Because the reality is, is when we try to love one another in the way the Bible calls us to in everyday life for the sake of the world, we're just as dependent on God's grace for our unity as the lost person is to know Jesus. You can't do it apart from God's grace. It's just too hard. There's no us, like me rescuing the losses if I got it figured out. It's us Learning how to love one another in our broken state and our desperate need for Jesus to help us do that. And people seeing that because they're wanting the same thing. 
That's the mission of God. Do we proclaim Jesus? Absolutely. Man, if you know me, you, you know I wouldn't even need to say that. But some of you guys don't know me, so I need to say that. We do proclaim Jesus. Absolutely. But man, we're kidding ourselves if we don't realize every day we need to learn his love and how to love one another. And by that, with our proclamation, people will know. 1 John 3.14 says this. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. This means if we're not loving, we're dying. This is God's word. I'm not, this is not Randy. This is God's word, right? I'm just trying to be your pastor here and serve you God's word. If we're not loving, we're dying. We're dying because we're separated from the true meaning of our lives, which is love. God's love being poured out in us and his love wanting to well up through us to love and give ourselves to others. That's life. That's God. That's the presence of God. Are you guys, are you guys connected with me? That's why Jesus prays for us. We wouldn't be able to even talk or think about this stuff if our beloved Lord and Savior didn't pray for us. He prays that God would make us one because we weren't or won't be able to do it ourselves. We can't do it apart from him. He brings the oneness. He gives life to the world through us. But it's his life, it's his love that we need. And that's why it's death if we don't do it. If we opt out of God's plan to rescue the world, it's not just the world that's missing out, it's we're missing out. We need his love. We gotta get discomforted. We gotta fall flat on our face. We're gonna fail. We're gonna get hurt. We're gonna get messed up in this whole deal. But guess what that is supposed to do? Run, bring us back to God's love that's endless. His supply is enough for the world and for us, it just keeps pouring out. Are we drinking deeply from his love? His love wants us to, to, to show us there's life in grieving with one another, in sharing burdens with one another, in praying for each other when we're sick and we're hurting and we're in pain, looking at each other eye to eye, when we're alone, putting our arms around each other's backs and saying, I'm here for you, I love you. Like, that stuff is so hard. It's so sacrificial because it takes prioritizing. It's hard. But God is saying, I'm there, and I want to fill you with my love in that. He wants us to fail each other, to misunderstand. We're, we're going to fail each other. We're going to misunderstand each other. We're going to miss each other. I've, it's, I've been in this community stuff long enough. The community doesn't save, it's Jesus that saves. But we always get tripped up on that, and it shows up in how we quickly we can get angry at each other and lack forgiveness for one another. But even in that, we find Jesus, and he holds us. That's why true oneness isn't created by merely confessing and agreeing to doctrine. True oneness isn't sustained, even though doctrine is imperative. I'm not saying it's not. But it's not just confessing it. 
Oneness isn't sustained around similar hobbies or shared interests or having common geography or even family blood. True oneness is created and sustained by God through Christ Jesus who humbly gave himself through loving service and sacrifice in the flesh, on the cross. We've been talking about 1 John 4.10 every single Sunday during this beloved series, and I'm going to remind us of it again. In this is love. You want to know the definition of love, where we get our beloved identity. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son who willingly went to be the propitiation for our sins, to suffer the wrath of God because of the sins of the world in our place. That's the love of God. And as his beloveds, it says, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. His love abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Our oneness is a platform for Jesus' love and words we share about Jesus. Our oneness must be visible to those who are spiritually blind. What he did on the cross, the sacrifice of the cross, is supposed to be worked out as a sweet-smelling aroma through the lives we live with one another as lovers of one another because of his love that's in us. That's what, he meant, that's what Christ meant for. So I, I, I just want to pause and just say, if you're part of this family or interested in being part of this family, please step into what we're doing in this beloved series. Please step in. Even if you're at a place like, well, I got some more questions, that's step it in. Step in with the leaders. Ask questions. But let's do this together. Let's press in knowing that it ain't up to me. It ain't up to you. It's up to him. But let's step into what is word. Let, 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 let's assume God's word is truer, more perfect, more right than we are. That Jesus knows what's best for us. That he gots us. And that's really scary for some of us here. And I want to say, I get that. It is. But wherever you're at, what is that next little step? Jesus loves you. And I, I just want to end with this. Is here, here's the next little step for all, all of us always. Is we need his love. Do you know you're loved by him? Do you know his love this morning? The one Jesus has carried your burdens. Has he carried your burdens? Has he picked you up when you're down? Has he brought healing to your ailments? Like, do you know Jesus this morning? The burden carrier, the lifter of your soul, the one who wants to love you for a million years, who wants to give you a warm embrace. Do you know the lover of your soul, the maker of your soul? Jesus Christ, do you know him? And if you know him, when's the last time you've run, ran to him? Do you need to run to him this morning and be refilled with his love? Because we always do. We can't be any kind of a witness to the world outside of his abiding love. And so what I'd actually like to do as I close here, I want to invite my friend Brittany up here. And I would love to have us sit quietly meditating on the Father's love through listening to song. You're not going to sing. You're only going to be sung over. And Brittany's going to sing the song that I talked about, that Bob Dylan song. I checked with some people. It's legal to do that, even though it's not. Jesus isn't in the lyrics. 
It's okay with us. If you're worried about that, you can come talk to me afterwards. Um, no, but in, in, in all sincerity, she's going to sing over us. And I really prayed about it this week. And me and Brittany, and I checked in with my wife. We were really excited about this little time here. Um, just feel like the Lord put it on my heart that God wanted her to sing this song over us as we're just quiet before him and let the Father love us through these lyrics. I wept over him many times this week, just feeling healing and hope and faith wash me afresh. But the thing I want to ask you to do before we do this, I'm going to pray and ask God to give us faith and humility. Because in all honesty, you can sit here and just check out. Just like through my message or through singing songs like we did earlier today, you can sit in and just check out and think about a lot of other things other than what Maybe what God's wanting to tell you. And I, and I want to ask you to, 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 in faith, listen with ears that God might have something for you that might rock your soul. That he might want to bring healing and in ways that you've never felt before. He wants to touch your soul in deep ways that it hasn't been in a long time. Maybe you're starving for it. Or maybe you don't have any idea you're starving for it, but he wants to minister his presence through you. And so I just want to ask for you just to, where you're seated, at a heart level, say, okay, what do you have for me? And trust maybe that he wants to take these words and he really is speaking them to you. They're, they're ridiculous, but they actually are meant to be true for you because of Jesus, these powerful words. So I'm going to pray for us, and then once I'm done praying, Brittany, you can go ahead and start singing. Father, I, I pray right now that you would give us the eyes of faith here, that you would open up our hearts widely to hear these words, not from a mere human, but from our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who wants to love us in these ways. Pray you'd quiet the voice of the enemy and allow your spirit to be heard clearly, we pray in your name. Amen.